Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Chandelier Chats. I'm your host, Rochelle LaCour. We have back for the second time our Frankie of Frankie Fitness. He is an award-winning online health coach. And today we're going to be talking about progressive overloading and why it's important to keep improving your physical fitness. So please join me in welcoming Frankie. Welcome back. It's so nice to have you again. How are you doing? I'm good. You? I'm good. Thank you. It's, it's so nice to be back. I, I really enjoy our first um, our first episode last month, and I was looking forward to actually having the second one. Yeah, me too. It, it was such a spectrum of conversation. We talk about literally everything uh, yeah. on the nutrition <laughs> side, and we kind of forgot about the actual workout portion. So I'm really <laughs> excited to chat about this with you. So can you explain to our listeners and our viewers, what is progressive overloading and why is it important? Okay, so progressive overloading, it is it is something that I do believe is the number one thing that most people don't get right at the gym. Okay. And and and, and let me let me let me uh, elaborate a little bit on that one. So progressive overloading all it means is to keep it very simple. Progressive overloading, what it means is to always try to do a little bit better than the previous time that you worked out. Okay. And, and, and depending on the person, this, this could look completely different based on, you know, your, your goals and your conditions, right? So for some people, for my conditions in specific, and it's something that I like working with, with my, with most of my clients is progressive overloading. It means improving in two things in a specific, which is volume or loading. Okay. Or both. Right. So, so when we're talking about volume, it will mean like being able to improve the number of repetitions on a specific exercise that you're working on. And in terms of loading, well, loading will mean like just going heavier, right? And and for a lot of people, like we get this wrong because, and, and this is where like, like most of the of, of people that go to the gym, they start seeing improvement right away because it is something different, something new to their bodies. And they start adapting to that specific, um, to that specific, uh, I don't want to say training because it wouldn't be training, it would be more like exercising. And, I, and I'm going to touch base about the difference between the two in a second. But when you when you when you actually when you make your body be into that new stimulus of working out, okay, even without uh, following a proper program, it's just mainly just like lifting weights without without keeping track of what type of exercise you're doing or like or your rest time or your tempo or any of that, you will see improvement right away, okay. But as you progress, your our bodies are really stubborn and they do not like they don't like change. They want to stay on. Uh, as they are, and, and as soon as they actually start adapting to that specific exercise that you're doing, your body's going to start plateauing, right? So your body, and that's when a lot of people, after like a month or two, they were seeing like amazing improvement, and then eventually they just decide to quit because they are not seeing as much improvement anymore, okay? And this is where it comes to play what I like doing with my clients, which is training and not exercising. Okay, so when it comes to the two, the difference between the two, exercising, when we're talking about exercising, it is, it's pretty much huffing and puffing, you know, just cardio. like, uh, you know, just doing something, it could be cardio, it could be like, it could be weight training, but it's something like, okay, today I feel like doing, you know, I'm going to do bicep curls today, and then tomorrow, even if you're focusing on the same group of muscles, let's say you're focusing on doing back, but today you decided to do seated rows. And then the next time that it's time to do back, if you have a bodybuilding split, then next time you're working on back, you decide instead of doing seated rows, you're going to go, you're going to go and do bent over rows instead. Okay. Or pull down something different, right? So you might be targeting the same group of muscles, but you don't have something that we call that, that adaptive, that direction. 
to your training, okay? And that is going to be key to continue improving naturally, okay? And this is where for a lot of people, mainly guys, if they don't see improvement because they're being exercising instead of training, they start taking like, for example, supplements and that kind of stuff, like, you know, steroids, because it is, that is the easy way out. And it is, you know, it is way easier to continue improving exercising by taking that kind of stuff instead of actually working on on a, on a specific training program. And that will be the biggest difference. It's like you need to make sure that you're coming up with a training program where you're, where you're, where you're fixing a lot of things, a lot of variables. And we're talking about the exercise type. You're talking about the rep, the range of repetitions that you're aiming for. You got to keep track of what way you were working on the previous time and see how you can do better the, follow, the, the, the following time. But another key thing that a lot of people forget about is the rest time okay the rest time makes such a big difference because if you don't if you're not keeping track of that and if you're allowing yourself to give a, a, an extra 30 second or one minute break chances are you might like like chances are your numbers are going to be improving but not necessarily because your body's getting better at it it's more because you're allowing your body to rest a little bit longer if that makes sense Right. Mm -hmm. So so being able to actually come up with that training program where you're fixing all those variables is going to make the difference long term to continue building strength, building muscle, improving your cardiovascular conditions long term. I think that's really interesting because I am a bit of a scattered trainer. I just sometimes I don't have time to think about, OK, I want to do this, this and this. I have 20 minutes and I just sort of pound through something. And yeah. I mean, sometimes it's just a about getting it in, you know, to me, it's important to just have, have that 20 minutes where I can just have that mental break and get it in. You also talked about splits. Can you expand on what splits are? Because a lot of people don't know what split training is. Oh, like that, like the different, different kinds of training, right? So like the one that most people do that I, I don't understand why it's so popular with the general population is the bodybuilding split, right? There's nothing wrong with a bodybuilding split, but bodybuilding split works when you have it's it's specifically tailored for bodybuilders right so mm -hmm. so so what's the difference between the two is bodybuilders will probably have that is their number one goal in life okay just to be able to build their bodies and then what does that mean that means that they have more time to work out they have more frequency throughout the week to actually hit the gym or like hit weights at home or whatever uh so they can allow themselves to split their training routines into more body uh, groups of groups of muscle. One of the, the the most simple splits that people do will be upper body, like upper push, upper pull, and lower body. Right, if you only have three days, and and I, I will prefer to do with, with with the general population when they're trying to lose weight or you know being healthier in general. I would rather do something more like an upper lower split will work better. Or sometimes, depending on the frequency, we can even do full body workouts, right? Because I, I got some clients that are only working out twice a week. And in my, in my experience with my clients, doing it that way, like full body for both days works way better than just doing upper lower because it's, it's not enough frequency for them. So for the, the bodybuilding split works perfect when you have that time to work out, when you can work out four, five, six, seven times a week. But when 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 you're when you're like a busy person and working out is not your number one prior, priority, you need to make sure that you have a plan and you have a specific training program that will help you with that. You did mention mm -hmm. something really good that was like sometimes you just want to power through and just do a quick 20 minute workout, right? You can also come up with a training program, something that you're specific that you can actually aim for that progressive overloading 
on those days that you don't have the time, you can still do it, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm not saying exercising is bad, okay? uh, comparing exercising to training in specific. There's nothing wrong with exercising, but if you really want to be efficient uh, at seeing like an outcome when it comes to, to hitting the gym or lifting weights, you want to focus more on that training as opposed to exercising. Mm-hmm. I remember when I used to compete. So I went to nationals in figure competitions back in 2014. And I remember like my program was very specific and it was the same exercise, you know, on the same day, like week after week after week. And I understood that because it was to a improve or balance out any imbalances in my physique, yeah. which there, there weren't a lot, but it was to do that. It was to bring up muscles or build muscles that weren't necessarily strong, you know, maintain muscles that were dominant. So for me, it was my glutes and my quads were dominant. My hamstrings were not as dominant and other, and other sorts of things. But I also think it's really important to recognize, especially with the bodybuilding split is those people actually are in a constant caloric influx. They're like that, you know, that they're usually in on a, a much bigger increase than we are. And it's not an excuse for us to just pick out and, you know, oh, I worked out yeah. for 20 minutes. Now I can pick <laughs> out. It's like, no, no, yeah. no, no, no. You worked out for 20 minutes and you don't want to undo that. So I think that that's, that's really important to differentiate that. So can you speak a little bit more about how you like to implement or if you implement hits and plyo? Because those were amazing tools for me because I'm I'm like an ADHD person in the gym. Like I can't sit (laughs) still, like rest time is just not a thing. And like, I like to go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Okay. Well, and, and, and this is where like the, the, you know, for, for women in the specific for women, it is a little bit tougher. That is, that is by design. Women are actually, they tend to have, because of uh, the way your hormones work, Mm -hmm. uh, you tend to do better with programs that are less rest time and more volume okay than men so so i mean here's like i don't know if we've met if we talked about this before but one of the things that for a lot of people they think uh being being a male athlete or being just being a male person is it has all the benefits when it comes to lifting and none of the uh so all the pros all the pros and all the uh, none of the cons but (laughs) but when you look at it it's actually yeah there's actually there's actually pros and cons for both okay and that comes it it, it comes down to your hormones right so for men because we tend to have our um testosterone levels are higher and estrogen levels are a little bit lower so the, the the good things about having that hormonal profile that way is that we tend to be stronger Okay. And we tend to be, it tend to be easier for us to build muscle. Okay. Mm-hmm. But when you look at the opposite for women, uh, the fact that you have low, by, uh, naturally you have lower uh, testosterone levels and higher estrogen levels. Yeah. You might not have those benefits of, of, of being as strong as a men and as easy to build muscle. But the two things that you have that is better than us is muscle endurance and muscle recovery. Okay. Mm-hmm. So those two things are like as important as strength, in my opinion. Right. So, so, so having that muscle endurance and, and that's why when I train, uh, my, my, my female clients, I actually focus on, for example, if I have a client that is very similar to another male client in terms of their goals and their conditions, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to keep it exactly the same. Okay. Because mm-hmm. I need to play around with the rest time 
as you said, like you, you struggle a lot with having that rest time longer because you want to just go, go, go. And that is by nature, that is how you're built. That is how you're designed. And most women will, will agree with you that that is how they want to have a training program. So yeah, that will be one of the things that I always add is like not necessarily doing hit training, but making sure that if we're working resistant training, we're making sure that the rest time might be a little bit. So the frequency, like, like how, how often the, the, the one, one uh, set and the other one is going to be way faster because you need it. You need it that way to actually make sure not just like that you're working on your specific hormonal profile, but also for here. So that it's mm-hmm. more enjoyable for you because you do not enjoy long breaks. No, I don't. Even when I'm, even when I'm powerlifting, you know, and I'm doing heavy deads, like yeah. two minutes feels like 10 yeah. minutes to me. And I'm like, come on. Like, and, can that I- is, and, that, and that is when you have to kind of like sacrifice a little bit of that compliance, like of that, like what works, what you enjoy doing for the sake of having of your outcome, right? Because when it comes to powerlifting and strength, you do need that full, uh, and I'm going to say it takes roughly three to four minutes for to get that neurological, like full recovery, uh, uh, neurologically speaking, so that you can actually maximize that that engagement of, of your motor units within the muscle fiber. We're just going to mm-hmm. get a little bit technical here. But mm-hmm. that is like you need that rest, that long rest is needed so that you can maximize that strength uh, mm-hmm. that you're going to be gaining out of every single lift. I think that's interesting too, because so my husband is also a former bodybuilder competitor and he's the same way. Like when he starts working out, he'll, you know, he'll do his sets and then he'll rest. And I've done like six, seven, nine exercises and he's still (laughs) resting. And I'm like, how's it going over there? You haven't broken sweat yet. Meanwhile, I'm, you know, just sweating buckets kind of thing. And I just think it's so interesting because the dynamic is very different. And like you said, it's, it's a hormonal thing. And for me, traditionally speaking, not all women have testosterone as high as I do. Like I just have naturally a higher occurring testosterone. So for me to build muscle, I look at a weight and I'm, I'm like, I get jacked. Like it's, it's crazy. You're lucky. You're lucky. It's just my girlfriend, my girlfriend's the same way she is. um, And then for a lot of girls, and this is where like, you know, when, whenever women always say, uh, Oh, I just want, I don't want to lift heavy weights because I'm going to get bulky. Right. Mm-hmm. So for most women, that is not the case because no, of not. that hormonal profile. It doesn't yeah. allow you to actually build like that, that muscle growth. Right. Yes. But for people like you and for people like my girlfriend, like I like calling them gifted, even though some, some women will be like, Oh no, that's not for me. Cause I don't like looking like a man. Right. Yeah. But it's like, in my opinion, it is being gifted the fact that you can actually, because your, your, your natural testosterone levels might be a little bit higher than normal. Mm-hmm. And that allows you to build muscle faster and, 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 and then allow, allows you to build muscle, like a little bit bigger muscles, right. Instead of just keeping it super lean. So that is important to remember. It's uh, like, I don't know how you feel about that. Do you think that's, uh, that's something that you feel that you're, you're happy with it or, or oh, you yeah, feel like I sometimes, yeah, I love it. And it, it always took me by surprise because every time I would work with a new coach, they would be like, you're just like a freak. Like you're actually a freak. I'm like, I'm like, a, gen- not very a nice. genetic like, freak. A genetic yeah, freak. Like, that's exactly what they would say. They would respond to like my, you know, I would send my weekly updates or whatever. And they'd be like, seriously, like you're a genetic yeah. freak. I'm like, yeah, yeah, well, you know, I can thank God for that yeah. because there's no other way that, that I would be like this kind yeah. of thing. And I just think that that's really interesting. And going back to that hormonal profiling and all that, that is like the general 
idea of what you have to aim for when it, if it's if it's men or women but there's also it's it, it goes it, it's a little bit more complex than that and and that just reminded me of this course that i took a, like a few years ago like five years ago with this guy christian thibodeau which is like an amazing canadian coach uh very well known in the in the fitness industry he came up with this uh with this course where we where they focus on neurotyping i don't know if you ever heard what neurotypes are so he didn't come up with neurotyping. Neurotyping is something that is being it's it's an it's it's an approach to how the person is wired in here. But the way what he did that was a little bit different was like he he tailored that neurotyping systems into trying to find out based on your neurotype what works best for you when it comes to training, when it comes to coming up with a training program. Okay. And, Tell it, and me I thought more. it was <laughs> so I thought it was really cool. Well, well, let, let's we can we can just keep it very uh, general, just to not confuse a lot of people here. But neurotypes, there are five t- types of neurotypes. Okay, so we have and 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 we have the type one A, type one B, type two A, type two B, and then type three. But if you want to keep it a little bit more general, we can just make it type one, type two, and type three. Right? It's just a type two and type one. They have a subcategory between within within them. But just to give you, um, uh, again, a general idea how they work is if you really know what neurotypes are, if you study it like, like I have, I can really tell what type you are based on just our interaction. I, can, I, I still have, I have an idea of where you fit in, in, into the categories, into the, the, the type one, two, or three. But to give you a general idea of what, what uh, type one, type two, and type three are, so type two people tend to be more, more aggressive. Okay. They speak louder. They don't like rules. Okay. They don't, they just, they just like to come up with their own rules. Uh, the typical example of someone that will be a type one is Donald Trump. Donald Trump will be your typical type one person. Okay. It is very aggressive. It's me, 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 you know, very vocal. And, and then on the opposite of the spectrum, you have the type three people. So type three are people that are, they don't like making eye contact. They're really quiet. They don't like socializing as much, that kind of stuff. Okay. But they love structure in their life. Okay. They love having someone telling them what to do all the time. And then there's like the, the most, uh, the general population, 75% of the population is a type two. Okay. So type two is, um, it's more like it's, 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 it's more in between, right? So we have, we have, we have some tendencies to be a little more aggressive, but we also have some tendencies to be a little bit quieter. We like some structure, but we don't like it as often. Okay, uh, we like switching things up. Uh, we're social chameleons. And I'm saying we because I am a type two person. It's just like I'm closer to the type one. So I'm a type two A. And th- those are little things that you start learning and then you can actually apply it to how the person trains better. So to give you an example, type two. Type two people, we like, we're good at everything, but we don't like doing it for long. So, so what does that mean? What, how does that look reflected in a training program? It's like, I'm going to make you do something that is more tailored to like, like low volume training, but then we're not going to keep it like that forever. Then we're going to go to high volume training, but then we're going to go focus mainly on hypertrophy then focus mainly on strength training, focus mainly on energy systems, just switching things up because that is how you keep the person a little bit more in compliance with what they're training. Now type one, type one people will rather have uh, their training programs have to be very explosive, but they're also, they cannot handle as much folding in their training, right? So those are like the typical power lifters. Power lifters are really, really good at, and Olympic lifters. Olympic mm-hmm. lifters are really good at type one, 
Okay, but that doesn't necessarily mean that type three people wouldn't be good at powerlifting or Olympic lifting because you have to keep in mind just using the example of Olympic lifting. Olympic lifting is a very technical sport, mm -hmm. right? Where you have to like analyze every single thing that happens throughout the movement. So type one people don't like that. They just want to just be aggressive and explosive and just get that weight over their head. With type three, the difference is they will analyze, they will watch your videos. They'll be like, oh, perfect. This is what I have to do. This is what I have to do. They like breaking it down Very and then just mastering, mastering those little things and putting it together. So I'm not saying that type one is built for this specific sport and type three is built for this specific sport, but there are, again, there are pros and cons, right? So you have to play, you have to focus on those, on their strengths to make sure that they are improving a little bit faster and a little bit more efficient. Oh my gosh. I love that you touched on Olympic weightlifting because I used to train with an international Olympic weightlifter down in Okotoks, Glenn Hutchinson. Oh, wow. he's, okay. he's still training. Like he's in his forties and like, he, like, he's amazing at what he does. And that was, that was the part that I found the most interesting was how technical the technique was like, I, yeah. it wasn't, it, it's, and I, I hate seeing this when I would go to the gym, I would yeah. hate when I would see people trying to do ollie lifts in the gym. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like you're act, like, you have no idea what you're doing. Yeah. So for, for all of the listeners and viewers, this is not to bash you, but please, if you want to do Olympic lifting, train with someone, don't just watch yeah. a few videos because there are a lot of people showing videos that are not adequately trained. They're not adequately breaking it down. And I can tell you from my own experience, I spent about four months strategically working with this Olympic lifter so I could master one lift, one it, it, lift. It, it takes a lot, it takes a lot of time and a lot of patience. So, so I'm going to give you my example. I have taken two different courses and I have to take a second one because it is something that I love. I enjoy watching it. It's, it's such a beautiful thing when, when, when everything comes into like, there's this harmony when the movement is done, like when the lift is done perfectly. When um, executed, yeah. But then I took, so my first Olympic lifting course was back in 2000 and I'm going to, I'm going to say 2011, 2012. So I took my first, um, my first Olympic lifting course with this guy. His name was uh, Brian Marshall. I believe that was his name. Yeah, he was a, a record holder from Ontario. Really, really good coach. But it was it was way too quick. It was just like a weekend. We tried to pretty much. I I feel like we rushed the whole thing. And then when I started working on it on my own, I I was just I was so young and I was like I didn't have the patience to do it. Okay. The second time that I did it was three four years ago. I I went with. I'm sure you're familiar with this company, Ilico. Yep. So Elika is a company, you know, they make all the barbells, all the equipment mm -hmm. for Olympic lifting, for powerlifting, most, most mm -hmm. of them. And so they brought some of their coaches from the U.S. here to actually to, to, to Calgary for one of the courses. And, and then I was invited to actually participate. So I signed up for the course. Amazing course. We actually got into the details and everything was perfectly done. So, but then again, I lacked the patience to actually develop proper body mechanics to be able to lift you know to, to do it properly so what i decided to do is like i can coach it perfectly because i have all the theory but it's just like it was it, it wasn't something that i i was able to put in a lot of work into because it takes a lot of time in the beginning like you mentioned like it was what four months for you and yeah just for just for one lift and that's yeah, I, and that's and you probably have just the basics right it doesn't even look perfect yet but at least you ha you have it you have it um 
you know, with lightweights, you can actually manage to do the proper mechanics, but then from lightweights to heavyweights, then that is a long process as well, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and making sure that you're staying injury-free is huge because that is probably yes. one of the things that you do at the gym that I see more people getting injured just because like you mentioned before, they see a video, they don't get professional help. They just think they can do it by themselves. And then bad things happen. <laughs> oh my gosh. And even, even people like ourselves, you know, I'm a former personal trainer. Even I have had bad injuries. Like I partially tore my adductor muscle in my right leg. Ooh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It sounded like a gun going off in the gym. Eesh. I literally was just speaking with my client about the importance of warming up. So can you touch on the importance of warming up before your exercises, before you weight train? (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, it is very important to warm up. But one thing that I, that I do notice a lot with a lot of people is when they're talking about warming up, right. They think it is jumping in and in a cardio equipment for like five, 10, 15 minutes. And like, like bringing their temperature, their core temperature up. That's what I hear a lot. Mm -hmm. And that is not proper warm-up okay what the warm-up has to be the the, the warm-up that you're doing has to be specific to what you're actually going to work on at the gym later after the warm-up to give an example if i'm working on if i'm going to be working on overhead movements right i don't know how biking is going to help me warm up for that specific thing right so the, the 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 three things that you're always working on when you when you go to the gym are mobility stability and strength those are the three key components you need to work to work on. So one thing that I love doing is focusing on mobility and stability with the warm-up and then stability and strength with with the with the specific workout that you're doing. But when when we're talking about mobility, uh, do you know the difference the difference between mobility and flexibility? Yeah, mobility flexibility is like how like your range of motion, I think, right? And then mobility so, is so mobility will be the active range of motion. So how far can you get on that range of motion without needing external help? Okay. Cause you see a lot of people like hamstrings, for example, they, they go, Oh yeah, I can touch my, I can touch my toes and I can actually reach for like further to stretch my hamstrings a little bit more. Uh, yeah, you can do it, but that's because you're pulling yourself using your, your, your feet. Okay. Mm-hmm. To create more range of motion. Okay. But mm-hmm. try doing that without any external help and see if you can get there. So mm-hmm. that is the active range of motion. That is what we're okay. talking about mobility. Okay. Um, and, and, and mobility is something more important because it is, it is, that is your range of motion that you, that you actually, that you work on on the daily basis and, and things that you can do to actually improve that range of motion. Yeah. Flexibility, flexibility can be one of them, but flexibility is not going to get you on that position without that help in the future. So what I like doing is uh, I do a lot of what we call uh, loading the fully lengthened position of muscles. So loading fully lengthened position of muscles helps you, allows your body to develop more range of motion. And, and then you see that, for example, um, I just want to give you an example, uh, squats, right? So squats, and this is where tempo training plays a big role on improving that range of motion when you're squatting, because a lot of people are so stiff that they cannot get all the way down when they're squatting. Mm-hmm. And and that is partially because of years and years of really bad habits, right? Of not, not getting your body. Because remember, it's, it's a whole principle of, of, of using it or losing it, right? So if you, don't get, if you don't get to those positions fairly often, you're going to start losing the ability to get there. And then for a lot of people, I, I love seeing the difference between the Western world and more specific in Southeast Asia, I see it a lot, where you see older people 
squatting what we call ATG, which is ass to grass. So mm -hmm. you see them squatting all the all the way down, no problem at all. And then you see people, older people here in the Western world, because we tend to sit more often and we don't squat as often, we start losing that ability to squat to a full range of motion. And then when, when you ask them to squat down, they feel like, oh no, everything's tight, right? Like my hips feel tight, my glutes feel tight, my, my, my calves are tight, I cannot fully work on my ankles, I cannot fully bend my hips. And that happens just because you stop using it, right? Mm -hmm. And that is the number one thing that you can actually start working on if you wanna keep that range of motion is making sure that, that you are doing things throughout the day that will allow you to stay on those fully functional and, and full and, and full ranges of motion. But going back to your in the original question of warming up. So that is one thing that will help you big time. It's like making sure that you're working on that mobility. Okay. And, and it's kind of like start working on maybe working on the same pattern of movements that you're going to be working on, on the muscles that you're going to be working on, but way lighter, right? And then maybe you can create a different stimulus. What I like using a lot is bands. So with bands, it might not be as heavy, but it creates a vibration training, right? Which is, so when I'm doing, if I'm going to work on chest, right? If I'm going to do push, I put my band, a tubing around my chest and I just work in that press, but it's going to feel a little bit different because it's going to be really wobbly, right? And that wobbliness is going to start adapting my joints and the muscles surrounding the joints to make sure that we can handle any change any uh, any quick change on, on on direction of that movement, and it could actually allow you to prevent any injuries. Okay, and that is one thing that I would rather do instead of just jumping in that cardio equipment and warming up, because that is not proper warming up. It's just working on your mobility, and that adaptation to that specific exercise that you're going to be working that day. Just make it a little bit lighter or like a little bit of a different adaptation with the same uh, body mechanics. Mm. I love that you also mentioned about doing things lighter because I feel like a lot of people are so excited to reach their goal of, you know, deadlifting 315 pounds, but yeah. they want to start with that. And it's like, no, it's okay. It's okay that you're not there yet. And I mean, I can tell you from my own experience squatting and deadlifting that much, it's not something you can do every day of the week. Yeah. And it's not something you can do every month. Like, where's your head at? Where's your emotional state, at? especially for women? Like, where's your, where's your emotional state at? Because all of that plays a factor and a role into how we're able to execute an, an exercise and with the, the accuracy and precision in which it needs to be executed. And I think that that's a really important reminder for everyone. Just because you can lift more doesn't mean that you should sacrifice your form. Yeah. Yeah. Form should well, never and, be sacrificed. Exactly. And, 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 and here's another thing that you need to remember is you're going to lift, if you're feeling good today and you're going to lift heavy, okay, because you're feeling good, there is going to be an added fatigue in the next few days. So, mm -hmm. so if you're planning on working out for the next few days as well, you need to remember that the harder you push today, the tougher it will be the following one, two, three days to recover. And, and then if you're planning on working out, that is going to take some out of that as well. So I don't, I'm not a big fan of always training to failure because mm -hmm. there is, you will, you will crash and burn in the future. Yeah. Eventually you're going to be like, I'm going to need to take a whole week off because I have been pushing myself so hard. This is something that I learned the hard way. I used to be able to handle more workload because obviously I was younger. But mm -hmm. now that is, as I get older, I need to start adapting to that specific issue that I have, which is it's, it's human nature. As you mm -hmm. get older, you're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to have the same workload that you had before. But there's also an, an adaptation component, 
if your body's used to working out like crazy throughout your, your teens, 20s, 30s, as you get older, you're probably, you're most likely 100% sure you're going to be able to handle more work mm-hmm. as you get older because you have, you have done the foundation. Okay, you mm-hmm. have done, and, and the years that you were like at your peak, you managed to actually make sure that you were building that, uh, building that resilience to your to your body. And now another thing that you mentioned was people that actually go want to go from zero to hundred right away without proper warm ups. But also, there's one thing that that plays a, a huge role into into how fast you can go from zero to hundred is your training experience. So if I'm a power lifter that I have been training for 10, 15, 20 years. And my body's so used to handling heavy, heavy work and heavy loadings, you can actually jump from zero to a hundred faster than someone that is new. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so because I see a lot of a lot of the time you see people that are like, oh, they're warming up, they're trying to get up to like let's say 500 pound deadlift, okay, mm-hmm. which is like something heavy. And their first warm-up will be 125, okay, or 135, which is like one plate per side. If you are someone that, that has the capacity to get to 500 pounds with proper form is because you have been working for quite some time to get there. So you don't necessarily need to warm up at that lightweight. You can actually pick it up. You can jump from like from that to like 50% right away. Okay? You don't need to have those baby steps as you progress because your body can handle it. And most likely you can actually stay, you can stay injury free with that big jump because you have that that foundation. Can you touch a little bit on one final subject before we close yeah. today? I love hearing from people about, you know, all of their success and all of that kind of stuff. And I mm-hmm. think we focus so much on achieving that success that we forget certain things along the way. And I just wanted to touch on a very critical point that I had to learn from and I feel like a lot of people find disheartening. And it's when you're doing weekly weigh-ins with a trainer or a coach or whatever your process is, or if you're just doing it with yourself, there is a time and a period where your weight may fluctuate. And especially for women, it's cyclical. And also the fact that you may have, or you may have worked out the day before. So can you speak a little bit more about the cyclical nature of weight gain and weight loss and what to sort of expect? So one thing that I always make sure that my my clients have it ingrained in their head is like specifically if you're trying to lose weight. So let's just use lose weight as an example. One thing that I make sure that my clients have ingrained in their head is the fact that weight loss is nonlinear. Okay. Mm-hmm. It, you're not going to start here and you're going to, you're going to progressively get lower and lower. Even if you're doing the, the right things, you're not going to keep start going down, 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 down like this. It's going to look more like that. But when you look at the big picture, when you zoom out, it should look like this, right? So you're still going down. It's just up and down, up and down, but it's still going down long-term. One of the things that you mentioned is that with women is like, yeah, the hormonal cycle, yes. yeah. it will make you actually retain more liquid, for example, right? But mm-hmm. that is only one reason why you might be retaining, you might be gaining weight. Other factors that might actually play a big role will be like your stress levels mm-hmm. can make you retain more, more, more weight. Or more liquid, how you're sleeping is, is going to affect that as well. Also, you mentioned something big, lifting. So if you have a good lift, a good training day, the day before weigh in or, or, or two days before, most likely there's going to be a healthy inflammation in your muscles that is going to make you be heavier. And that is not permanent. It just happens as part of the process. So those are the little things that we always that I always make sure to remind my clients 
that don't worry if for some reason the weight spikes a little bit. And this is not another reason why we always do it every two weeks instead of, of doing it more frequent because that allows us to have more time to deal with that kind of stuff. And, and, and it guarantees that the, the pro, that you're gonna see more progress. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, but it's not perfect. Sometimes you you will still see people gaining weight even though they're actually doing all the right things that they're supposed to do. And when that happens, another thing that I like working with my clients is making that connection between physical indicators of improvement and mental indicators of improvement. Because if you don't see physical improvement, it is good to see. Uh, I always ask my client, what is something that you think you improved in the past two weeks? So if it's not weight loss, how about your energy levels? How mm -hmm. about your, your sleep quality? How about your relationship with food? How about how is, how is your mood in the past couple of weeks? So we always make sure that we're hunting for those little indicators of improvement that will allow, allow the client to always have a win, always have something that can tell me, okay, maybe my, my weight didn't, I didn't lose weight this week, but my energy level was actually better but I actually managed to have a better relationship with food. I actually, a, I develop a new habit that you, cause I am, I'm, I'm, my programs are really habit focused. So I work on, okay, uh, every two weeks we try to add a new habit. So if they're not improving physically, at least they know that they're having improving up, mastering a new habit that I'm asking them to work on. Oh my gosh. I love that. And with that, Frankie, do you have any final words of wisdom for our listeners and viewers today? You know what? Just going back to that progressive overloading, one thing that I actually started telling all my clients, progressive overload your life, not just your training in specific, just your life in general, because that is our goal. Our goal is to become more and more resilient. So always make sure you're progressively overloading your life. Awesome. And how can people connect with you and how can they find you? I'm actually working on revamping my website. So that's going to be available very soon. It will be my, my website is frankiefitness.com. So my last name fitness.com. Uh, my Instagram is frankie.fitness. And that's pretty much the two that I'm actually uh, using more often. If they want to reach out to me via email, they can just uh, email me at frankie.fitness at gmail.com. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us again today. And I look forward to the next time. No, thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please don't forget to like and subscribe. 